I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Ryan Bolton. Uh, he is the founder, uh, creator of Bolton Endurance out of Santa Fe. Uh, he uh, coaches several elite athletes, including Carolyn Rodich uh, and some uh, triathletes as well. He's a fantastic triathlete in uh, competing in the 2000 Summer Olympics. And thank you for joining me today. Awesome to be here, Seb. I really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, are you named after, what are you named after? Do you know? I, it's, it's who you're thinking of. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sebastian Coe was one of my favorite runners as a kid. Obviously, he's the, he's the, uh, the head of IAAF now and everything. But um, I always felt like if I had a kid and it was a boy, I would maybe name him Sebastian after Seb Coe. So that's pretty cool that you're named after him. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, my, my dad was a runner. And uh, it, once my mom shot down Prefontaine. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been a little weird, agreed. Yeah. yeah so uh, then um, it was uh, it it was back and forth. Uh, the way my dad tells it is so. Um, Sebco and Steve Ovet were going back and forth on that on the fifteen hundred world record that whole summer, right. and and my dad basically said whoever whoever won out was who I was going to be named after. So yeah. Well, it's funny because. I remember as a kid hearing about Sebastian Coe's training and, you know, he was like, you know, he's an 800 meter runner, 1500 meter runner. Right. And, um, and hearing about the volume that he would do and the strength work that he would do. And, uh, it kind of taught me lessons at an early age, even like what maybe it would take to be an elite runner, you know what I mean? And like, I was just kind of, I guess what shocked me at that time. And then as I progressed and kind of understood it more was, you know, yeah, like I said, the amount of volume that even an 800 meter runner, of course, I mean, he was well developed and, right. you know, you know, and it took him a while to get there and everything. But, um, but still, I, I was pretty impressed with what he did in his training. Oh, yeah, I there was a, uh, a picture on Twitter just recently. Um, I forget who posted it, but they were talking actually about Seb Cohen saying like, you know, everybody remembers the 800s and the 1500s and not many people remember that he actually, he ran, um, you know, European cross country championships and all that stuff as well, you know, which we just right. saw, um, uh, uh, the, the Norwegian, uh, guy, Jacob, um, yeah, Engelbertson, yeah. Engelbertson, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, you know, I mean, again, fantastic, amazing 1500 meter runner and goes out there and wins the, you know, European cross country championships, I mean, blows people away. It's just, right. If you're an athlete and putting in the work, you can, you can succeed at a lot of different levels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially with the speed that those guys have, those guys are, yeah, they've got it. Right. Exactly. And, and I mean, we talk about, you know, marathoners and stuff and, and looking at where, I mean, uh, Kipchoge and, and, the uh the Kelly, I mean they they came from five thousand meters and and stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah. People, a lot of people, you know, they know Kipchoge from you know all the sub two stuff and obviously his marathon world record. But I mean, that guy's been in the sport for twenty years, and he like said he started as a and he was equally as good at, at those distances almost as well as he is at marathon, which is pretty impressive. 
Right. I mean, those championship races were just, I mean, those were amazing to watch. And I mean, they're still amazing to watch in, in the marathon because he's going, geez, almost as fast. <laughs> no, I know. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah. His threshold <laughs> tolerance is insanely high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's nuts. So um, to get back on you, I, for those that may not know who you are, uh, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into running? Yeah, you know, it's, I, I mean, I've been a runner, I guess, like a lot of people, um, since I was really young, I was a kid. And I think it was, uh, you know, my mom, and it was probably, you know, the late 70s, I was born in 73. Um, you know, she was kind of on the early edge of like the running craze, I guess you could say. And she was just wanting to stay fit. And so she'd go run and I would go run with her. And I think she thought that was a great outlet for my, like, boundless energy so <laughs> and uh, and I, I could run well and i could run fast so honestly i mean i just started running as a kid at that age i mean really six seven years old a little bit and i also was fortunate i grew up in wyoming um which i always say is very similar to new mexico except for a colder and uh, <laughs> but like culturally you know what i mean it's rural um you know there's a lot of open space big skies but uh fortunately i grew up in a town that was really it had a lot of like run races you know road races an annual road race circuit plus um i had fantastic coaches at a young age that kind of understood you know the national running scene even so i was able to do a state cross country meet and a regional you know meet and then you know go to national championships even like i said at the age of 10 11 12 so yeah i've kind of been running my my entire life that's that's fascinating. I, I mean, I love there's a lot of people who get into it at that age because their parents, you know, are kind of pushing them that way. And it's always fascinating to me, like people who who fall into it and just kind of in, enjoy it. You know, how do you ride that wave of kind of, I guess, that motivation? Because obviously you're going to go through waves of like, I love this. This is great. And oh, God, I hate this. Why am I still doing this? <laughs> right. You know, I, it, it's funny because I. I always think like, yeah, what came first, you know, you're successful at something, you know, cause I was a good runner as a kid. So, you know, having success, was that my motivation? You know, I mean, obviously when you're good at something, you're more motivated to do it. Or if I just truly loved it, not if I could answer that, you know, now like more intellectually uh, or with an adult mind, I would <laughs> say, I just loved it. Honestly, I just loved running. I mean, I continue to love running. It's just so raw. It's so pure. But another thing that funny that you say about that, too, is like sometimes I'll get parents asking me, you know, you ultimately ended up competing in the Olympics. You know, what did your parents do? You know, when you were, you know, 12 years old, were they, you know, driving you to run? And I was like, no, you know, no, they weren't at all. Like yeah. they were insanely and incredibly supportive of my running, you know, when I you know wanted to race and stuff like they helped me get there and all that stuff. But um, but, you know, I, I've talked with them about it even over the years and they were like, no, you know, we you just wanted to do it. <laughs> like, like we, you know, we, it was almost the opposite. If you, if you asked to go somewhere and we said, no, you would have, you know, really got angry with us. So they, <laughs> I would say they were supportive, but they definitely didn't push me. You know, it was kind of just, it, it was like an innate, you know, love really for running ultimately. That's, that's awesome. And, and yeah. I guess ha like you said, you saw it kind of from, you know, able to compete at regional and national levels from a, from a young age. You know, when did you get the idea that, that this was something you carry on, you know, into college and, and beyond? Yeah, you know, I would say pretty young again. And I mean, we, we were talking about like Sebastian Coe. I remember <laughs> I remember watching like 
you know, the LA Olympics, which was what, 84 and yeah. like being like, Hey man, I want to be like those guys, you know, that type of thing. And of course at that age, I had no idea. I mean, what, I would have been 11 years old at that point. I had, had no idea what that meant, uh, you know, what it meant to, to race at that level. But, um, I knew that I was good at it and, you know, and it did, it progressed to the point where, um, you know, I ran well in high school. I was able to get a scholarship um, to the University of Wyoming. Um, I actually went on recruiting visits multiple places, but being that you're in state at Wyoming, and I, I obviously had a lot of friends there. I knew the coach there uh, pretty well. Um, it was by far the best deal. So it wasn't like this running powerhouse at the time, but um, but right. it seemed like uh, a good fit. And yeah, and so I went there, which uh, it, I mean, it, you know, it was, I think at the time, I was kind of going to college to run. And then once I got to college, I realized that, oh, yeah, you're here to run. And this is a great way to get an education right. at the same time. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, but um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, it did progress, you know, to that point. And, you know, I was I was always I grew up a swimmer as well. So, you know, I was swimming and in, in the state of Wyoming, it actually worked really well because cross country season was in the fall and swimming was in the winter, you know, and then in the spring was track. So right. I would go from one sport to another sport to another sport. And then in the summer, you know, I would do summer track and stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of an athlete year round. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I try to encourage some of the kids I work with, you know, to, to do swimming as well. Cause it's just, there's a lot of things within the sports that I think go hand in hand, you know, with, with, um, you know, especially some of the aerobic work and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So much aerobic work. It's, you know, swimming is obviously a lot less uh, uh, pounding on the body and everything. The funny thing about swimmers, pure swimmers, is some of them just hate running. They just <laughs> like, yeah, you tell a pure swimmer sometimes. And I remember, uh, like, you know, seeing an interview with Michael Phelps, you know, and him, you know, them asking him about running. And he was like, no way, you know, I wouldn't run a mile. I mean, this guy, you know, swims you know, like five hours a day, but you know, doesn't want to even run a mile. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> I, I've, I've had a much easier time convincing some runners to swim than to convince swimmers to run for sure. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, right on. No, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, some of the, some of the colleges now definitely have like, triathlon teams triathlon uh clubs and all of that but but that wasn't an option when you were at wyoming right no it wasn't at all i mean triathlon was still you know in its infancy especially at a collegiate level um i mean it really almost didn't exist at a collegiate level so now currently there is ncaa women's triathlon and okay. um you know it's an official sport like unm for example does not have an NCAA team, I wouldn't be surprised if they get an NCAA team sometime in the next handful of years. But, um, but that, yeah, like I said, there's club teams everywhere, but for, for guys, there's actually not that opportunity. Um, even now, you know, there's club teams, like you said, but you know, you can't be like a division one, you know, triathlete, uh, if you're a guy or anything. So a lot of like, a lot of guys that are triathletes, like would take the route that I took was, you know, you'd either go to college as likely a swimmer or a, a runner, you know, on a scholarship and then and then go beyond. Um, USA Triathlon actually has a program right now. It's called Project Podium for top level male triathletes. It's at Arizona State and they can go there on scholarship and train and race on actually the world circuit. It's technically not 
a collegiate team, but it is, uh, it's a, it's a super cool opportunity for athletes. And I think, um, if that existed when I was like a senior in high school, I probably would have done that, <laughs> but I, I can't tell you like though, how valuable running was to me in college, like the experience and, you know, what I learned, what I got out of it, um, you know, the camaraderie, um, you know, I mean, you know, I have lifelong friends, obviously, from that process and, and just how much I learned, you know, even from my coach and, uh, you know, in the coaching process during that phase was like incredibly powerful uh, and, and kind of, you know, I guess a, a big piece of who I am today. Yeah. Learning what I learned there. Right. Well, and, and part of what you learned there, you, you got your uh, bachelor's degree in exercise uh, physiology Yep. Was that kind of just because you were so kind of into the, the sport and swimming and running that you kind of wanted to like, it made the most sense to you? Or how did you get into that? Yeah, that was it was I just kind of wanted to know what was going on. You know, I was interested in the physiology side of things. And um, I mean, probably like a lot of college freshmen, I didn't know I, I you know, I went in as a freshman being like, okay, what do I want to do here? But, um, you know, once you start learning about what programs existed, and I actually, you know, got into that program, probably my second semester of college, because I, you know, kind of un understood what it was. And I talked to professors. So yeah, it was sort of fascinating to me. Plus, you know, my coach, my coach's name in college was Jim Sanchez. And he, he, um, he was at University of Wyoming, man he was the cross country and you know distance coach there for uh, man 20 25 years i would say wow. and he he's from the san luis valley actually oh like, really from san luis the town which is an insanely small town yeah you know just across the new mexico border just north of taos and and then he ran college for joe v hill in, right. in alamosa so he ran for adam state and then and then uh, not long after um you know he came and coached at wyoming and that's where he was for his entire coaching career, I believe. But, um, but anyway, he had some fun philosophies and I learned a lot of stuff from him. And also I think that's what his degrees were in. So like learning that stuff from him, um, you know, was really valuable. That's really cool. And that's funny. I mean, as soon as you said Sanchez, I'm like, Oh, interesting. I wonder where he was from. And <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, yeah, he's from San Luis Valley, which I mean, like I said, if you've been, I mean, that, you know, the valley is big, obviously, but the little town of San Luis, I mean, it's just like a little, you know, blink and then you go by it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you, you basically yeah. see the sign that you're entering it. And by right. the time you register that you're already through it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But he ran, I mean, you know, Adam State and Alamosa is like, you know, they've historically, it's just an iconic running school. Um, you know, even now, but, you know, he was back there in the days of Joe V Hill, who's like, you know, probably one of the most famous distance running coaches of all time. And, uh, so it was a, it was a neat pedigree to have him and his insight. It was fun because some of the workouts that we did in college were based on what not to do because of what like V Hill's like experimental process on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know, he's like, oh, you, we used to, you know, and these are the, you know, walking, you know, in snow uphill both ways to school type stories. But you know, right. talk, oh, we used to do, you know, 2800s with one minute rest at, you know, this and, you know, you know, on the sand dunes, you know, and, you know, outside of Alabama, you know, crazy stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. One really funny workout, and that just reminds me, Sanchez had so many great sayings. Um, man, and I could quote so many things, but we would, we would always do, um, 
a 400 meter or, you know, workout, right. you know, and, and a 10 K, you know, is 25 laps. And, uh, and we would do 24, 400s. And, uh, so I remember I asked him one time, I was like, you know, and we do them on a grass field. This is during cross country season. Okay. And I was like, coach, why don't we do 25? Cause that's a full 5k. And he'd be like 25, 400s. I was like, yeah. And he would be like, that'd be way too many. <laughs> Which was really funny. And I was like, but we're doing 24, you know, but I just thought it was really funny. He's like, oh no, 25 is way too many. But, um, <laughs> So it was kind of, uh, it was just a, it was a funny story. But anyway, he had a lot of great saying Sanchez. <laughs> and it sounds, I mean, sounds hard, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> but th- that's, that's, that's awesome though. And it's, it's cool. The stuff like that, you know, sticks with you even now. And mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, you said you learned a lot from him, but you can, you can tell, I mean, you just got this, you're not just telling a story. Like I can see this light in your eyes, like just of this memory coming back <laughs> yeah totally yeah, absolutely yeah totally <laughs> you know you, you said that had there been something like triathlons you know like the project in arizona when you were a senior in high school that might have been the way you you went in, were you already thinking triathlons at that time or or when did you start thinking uh, about about i was a little bit because um um, when I was younger, I actually had an opportunity to race a couple because once again, locally, you wouldn't expect this in Wyoming because it's incredibly rural. Right. A, a town near where I grew up, a very small town, had a triathlon, which was kind of strange. Um, you know, like I said, like in the 80s, early 80s even. And um, so I was able to do a couple. Um, when I was in college, the first two years of college, I lived uh, summer. Uh, the summers, I lived in Boulder, Colorado because... Um, okay. Uh, I had I had friends who ran for CU. My best friend ran for CU, so I would go down there and train with those guys. And I would also work. I was working as a lifeguard at one of the pools there. And it, Boulder just happens to be, you know, kind of a mecca for runners and for right. triathletes. And even at the time, it was. And anyway, so I, I got a, a pro triathlete said he saw me swimming and he was like, you know, you look like you're a skinny runner kid, but you're, uh, you know, you can swim pretty well. You should try a triathlon. I was like, I have before and. Anyway, he convinced me to do a race that year, and I, I did, and it was the national championships, and I won, which was nice. So, and then um, the next year, I did the world championships, and I was second at world championships as a junior, wow. which, like, w- so I was really happy with that. And at that point, I came back to college, actually, to my coach, and he said, hey, this is great. Um, you know, you did really well. He's like, but you're on a scholarship to be a runner, <laughs> and this might be starting to get in the way of that. And at that point, like I kind of evaluated my situation. I was like, okay, I'm 19 years old. I could, uh, I could become a professional triathlete at this point, which, um, would have been a hard way to make a living, or I can just continue running and get an education and, uh, you know, which is paid for at the moment, which is fantastic. And so probably one of the best decisions I've ever made (laughs) was I decided to stay in school and I decided to run, you know, my, my collegiate career, you know, out, which is great. And then, um, but kind of serendipitously, uh, I graduated in 95 and in 1996 is when tr- the sport of triathlon announced that it was going to be an official Olympic sport and it was going to be in the Sydney Olympics. And, um, you know, I kind of looked in the mirror and I said, you know, I was one of the better runners in the country at the time, um, collegiately. And I was like, well, you know, you know, what do you see yourself as? And kind of like you said, you know, I was looking at your Haile Gebrselassie's and your Paul Tergat's you know, and they're running, you know, low, you know, low 13s, high 12s in the 5k. 
And I was like, you know, I'm not sure if that's me. And, but I knew that I could swim and I could bike really well. And I was like, I think that that sport ultimately, you know, is a better fit for me. And my chance for success in that sport is high. I mean, who knows if I would have been a runner because I really did love running. But at that point, I kind of made the decision to shift to triathlon. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, looking at those guys, that's, <laughs> I yeah, <remember> right. <laughs> watching those guys as a kid and, and, and watching, uh, you know, Bob Kennedy trying to, you know, do right. it to, to just hang on. And, and it was, yeah. And he did, Kennedy did incredibly well, you know what I mean? I mean, he ran sub 13, um, you know, what during that era, which I mean, was unheard of for an American, which was, I mean, still today, I mean, that's an insanely fast time. Oh, yeah. And all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, kind of speaking of Paul Turgot and Gerbo Selassie, I had the privilege of watching the, and I, I would encourage anyone that's listening to this to Google it, but I watched the 10K um, in Sydney live. I was able to watch it live because I was there for the Olympics and we could get as an Olympian um, and part of the US Federation, you could just get tickets to what events you wanted to. There was like a ticket office in the Olympic Village and you said, hey, I want to do this. And I went to track and field every day. I raced on the second day of the Olympics. So I went to track and field every day. And uh, you're sitting like right in the press stands is where you could sit too. But man, that race was just, it's just head to head, you know? And, and I mean, it came down to the last hundred meters and I mean, it's even came down to the finish line and, and uh, you, you could tell that both of them, and I think this is interesting. It's like almost the sports psychology like side of things. Both of them truly believed that they were going to win that race. Right. So neither of them, you know, were giving an inch and everything. And, uh, yeah, it was such such a great race to see, um, you know, particularly live. But if you Google Google it, watch it on YouTube or something, it's it's a really amazing race too. Yeah, I, I oh man, I, I I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because I, <laughs> I yeah, remember it's watching. A cool race, yeah. yeah, I remember watching it on TV. And but man, yeah, oh. Well, and it's one of the most classic, you know, Kenyan-Ethiopian rivalries. Yep. You know, Turgot was just the best in the world at the time. He's probably like eight-time cross-country world champion, something like that. You know, Gerber Selassie was obviously incredibly dominant. You know, they would go back and forth. And um, But, uh, yeah, a really, really great race. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, you, you stayed in school, got your degree, obviously, you know, good decision, but probably not the easiest decision. And, uh, you know, decided to jump into the, you know, the triathlon thing, you were already, you know, doing swimming and running. How, I guess, easy or difficult was it for that, that bike riding section to come in? You know, it, it's a good question, because I never biked competitively or bike raced competitively at that point. Um, but I had always ridden, which was kind of crazy, okay. both BMX bikes when I was a kid, but I think I got a road bike probably when I was about 12 or 13. And I actually rode it a lot and, um, and I trained on it a lot actually. And just for fun, just cause I enjoyed it, it was another outlet for energy. <laughs> so, so my proficiency on a bike was okay. I would say my technical proficiency was what was lacking, <clears throat> particularly with the type of racing that was at the Olympics. Cause it's draft legal, you know, you can, you can ride in packs. So it's a more technical you know, bike than say if, you know, like non-draft triathlon, which is what you see like in long course stuff, Ironman. Um, but, uh, so I had to pick that piece up. The technical piece of it was the piece I had to pick up, but 
I would always say like to, to, you know, runners, runners who have a swim background in particular, the bike is the easiest thing, honestly, to pick up because physiologically they probably have the engine, you know, to drive it. It's, it's a different, you, it's, it's more of a power oriented sport, you know, running is, is not as power oriented, but if you can figure out how to generate that power, your lungs and your heart are definitely capable of, of doing well there. And I mean, some of the best, um, you know, cyclists in the world are pretty darn uh, good runners, of course. Right. <laughs> and in fact, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a guy from Canada who's a big guy on the pro circuit right now, Michael Woods, who he, he ran for Michigan. I think he was a sub four minute miler. Oh, he wow. was plagued with injuries. Yeah, he's plagued with injuries. And I think like at the age of 21, um, maybe maybe he made it through college. Like he was just like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm going to hop on a bike. And now he's one of the best cyclists in the world. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> That's, that's crazy. I didn't know that, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, but it is like, I, I have a, such a hard time. Like I'll use my bike every so often. Um, in the summers, like when I would teach summer school and I didn't have to take my own kids, you know, I'd ride my bike to my, to work and back, you know, just like three or four miles, but it's like a steady uphill the whole way. I'm like, man, I'd much rather run this than bike it. Cause yeah, I, just, yeah, right. <laughs> I just don't know how to, you know, I'm, I'm never in the right gear. I've never like, I'm just always like, this is just no. <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of things, it's a learned behavior. You know what I mean? You kind of like learn that stuff, but it also, I would say that's, you know, a big difference with cycling and sometimes runners have a hard time with this is it's a lot more technical, you yeah. know, like, like you said, you have to shift gears you know, there's equipment involved. And I honestly, I always say I have a runner's mentality. And what that means is I like to just be able to put on a pair of shoes and walk out my door and go, you know what I mean? It's this very simplistic, you know, thing. There's very little equipment involved. Um, You know, it's like simple. Whereas with cycling, you know, there's, you know, there's helmets and shoes and wheels and your bike and, you know, and maintaining your bike and the technology behind the bike. And, like you said, all of that type of stuff. And that takes, it's, it's, it's definitely not nearly as simple as running. And I think, I mean, that still continues to be both on a racing standpoint, although we have super shoes now, so right. that's changed things up a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just it, running such a pure sport. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like, you know, it's like one of the, you know, it's probably one of the first, you know, uh, competitions ever in the world. You know, there were two cavemen and they were like, you know, I bet you I can get there faster than you. And it's like, no, you can't. And they took off running. You know what I mean? It's like right. said, it, takes, <laughs> it takes absolutely nothing. It's just really it's so pure. It's so raw that way, which actually I mean, that's a whole topic in itself. But it, it was sort of a disappointing thing with the super shoe stuff is when you started seeing people. And I mean, even right now, you know, world records are just falling left and right. And and uh Sure, I think people are training better and smarter than they ever have. And, you know, and obviously, you know, people set barriers and those barriers are always to be broken. But I also think um, the shoes have a piece of that. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, some shoes are better than others and other shoe companies are catching up with others and, you know, all that type of stuff. It's taken out a little bit of the purity of the sport, especially on the racing level, which which is a little bit disappointing (laughs) to me because that's what I love about running so much is just the rawness of it. Right. Well, I I was actually once you mentioned it, I was I was actually curious about that because you have been in, you know, cycling, which is very dependent on the technology and trying yeah. to get bikes as light as they can and trying to do you know as 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 speedy as they can. And then you've had on the other side, you know, swimming, which has gone through this uh, 
you know different speed suits and that and the you know totally. the, right. the, the what was it the sh- uh shark suit that yeah shark skin that. stuff yeah exactly yeah. and then the full body suits and how much can it cover of your body and stuff like that right yeah. so yeah. it's you know you you've seen it from kind of these other sides and then seen it in running it's it's um kind of fascinating to me yeah no it is it is really interesting um and uh like i said i think that you know the IAAF set up rules now and what shoes can be or can't be. But still, I mean, I would say there's only a couple shoe companies that are making like an actual comparable shoe that, you know, are like at the top of the echelon and everyone else is kind of lagging behind. And at least once again, the race shoe department and everything. And it's kind of, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a bummer because yeah, like I said, I just love the, the rawness of, you know, the running. And I, I would hate to say that, Hey, this person won this race because they had the better pair of shoes and, Obviously, you know, the best guys in the world, you know, they, you, no matter what, at all of these sports, you still have to be an insanely good athlete and, you know, and top level athlete and everything. And then that little technology just kind of gives you maybe, you know, that extra, you know, little, little edge, but it's not like Elliot Kipchoge would be not a good runner right. if, <laughs> if he didn't have those shoes, he would still be the best in the world. So, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, it is, it's, it's a hard thing to quantify, like you said, and, and, you know, I, I know there's been some studies as far as you know, how much of a boost it really does give and right. how much a boost it gives to like a normal runner as opposed to an elite runner and, and this and that, you know, the one thing I, I, I think that I have noticed that I, that I think is a good part of it is the way it does kind of seem to um, save the legs of, right. of these mm-hmm. athletes, you know, with, with that cushion and some of that recovery then. So you can have someone, you know, like Kipchoge or, or someone, you know, getting on that further side of 30 into forties that, you know, might have a longer career that we get to enjoy, which is, you know, kind of cool instead of just, you know, being, yeah. No, and that's a great way of looking at it. I haven't really ever thought of that perspective, but it's very true. You know what I mean? It does save the legs a little bit. And I actually see athletes slightly, you know, less beat up after big races or after riding a marathon. You know, they're not complaining as much about um, that. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's actually a great point. Yeah, it's something I, I, <laughs> I've been trying to think about because it is there's there's, you know, so many different sides to this and, you know, sponsored athletes and and people with access to the different shoes, like you talked about, I mean, it's a hard thing to, to quantify. And, you, and I mean, even with the spikes now, when you have, you know, even high schoolers are able to access certain spikes because of, you know, money, right. They can go out and buy them. And then you have other kids who can't, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of say like, oh yeah, these are great. When, when you have this access issue as no. well. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. It, it, yeah, the, the, the playing field isn't quite as level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I definitely want to talk about the, you know, your, your getting into the Olympics. You know, you talked about graduating. You heard that it was, that it was going to be an official sport at the uh, Sydney Olympics. You know, did you just go in all, all in at that point? Like, all right, I'm, this is, this is my goal. I did. I, I was lucky to have, because I did well as a junior, I was lucky to be able to dive in pretty quickly with both the U.S. Uh, Triathlon Federation, but also with some sponsorships. Like, you know, I, when that happened, I think 
you know, specific triathlon companies, you know, shoe companies, bike companies, et cetera, we're like, okay, who can we find who's maybe going to be here in this? And so I got some really nice support right away from a bike company, from a shoe company, from sunglasses, you know, those, those types of things. That's the funky thing about being a triathlete is you like have, you know, you can have like 12 contracts with running, <laughs> you know, it's normally one contract and it's exclusive, you know, head to right. toe, you're in ASICs or whatever, you know, whereas, uh, you know, a triathlon, yeah, you know, you, you're like more like NASCAR, you know, you have a billboard <laughs> and, you know, sponsors. So, so I was able to get support right away and, and, um, yeah, and I started racing what's it's, it's, it's basically like the world circuit, which is a qualification circuit where you accumulate points. Um, it's the same circuit now. Um, and I actually work, uh, I work with USA triathlon. I'm technically my title is I'm the high performance manager with USA triathlon. So I still travel around on this circuit going to these races that are, I was in Tokyo at the Olympics this year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. For that, which was fun. But, um, but anyway, um, yeah, like at that age, I, I started accumulating points and doing well enough. And then, yeah, which led to the Olympic trials. I qualified for the Olympic trials and then, yeah, I was able to compete in Sydney, which was, I mean, it was a cool experience that travel being that triathlon was, it was the first, you know, time it was in the Olympics and in Australia, um, it's, it's a big sport, you know, it's, it's a really big sport there. Triathlon is, and, you know, swimming is a huge sport there. I would call swimming their national sport, but, um, but anyway, so they, they had to profile it. Um, the women triathlon was on day one of the Olympics and the men's race was on day two of the Olympics. So, um, it was kind of fun. I went, we ended up going early, of course, to acclimatize, uh, you know, especially time zone, huge time zone difference. And then, um, and we actually stayed outside of Sydney and trained outside of Sydney to avoid the chaos, you know, of that is the Olympics. Right, yeah. And then we came into Sydney two days before the race, actually stayed right near the course, not in the Olympic Village, because once again, the Olympic Village is a little bit of chaos, too. <laughs> um, in it, and then we raced um, and uh, and then moved into the Olympic Village after the race, which is kind of funny. And then you get to hang out. The nice thing about racing that early in the Olympics is you get it um, you know, out of the way and you can kind of like enjoy the Olympics. Then I felt badly because the marathon is often, you know, one of the last events, if not the last event. And, uh, in Sydney, it was that case too. And I had friends cause I mean, it was, you know, my era of running and stuff too. Right. So <laughs> I knew all the guys who were on the marathon team and everything. Yeah. And they were, I mean, I think they were probably showing up in Australia about, you know, after when I even competed and then, you know, then they had to kind of like, you know, buckle down and like, you know, kind of be, you know, mellow and, and focus on training, you know, until, until the last day of the Olympics where we were out, you know, eating and partying and having fun <laughs> in Australia. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was a really special experience though, of course. And, you know, I think people often ask, you know, like, you know, you know, is that a memorable race? And kind of oddly, it's not a super memorable race. And the reason why is because you know, it's just the same 60 guys that you'd right. been, you know, on a starting line with for the past few years of your life and, you know, going through the same motion. So, you know, of course the logistics around it, but the actual race, the actual moment of the race, I mean, aside from, you know, there being, you know, whatever, 10 deep spectators on all sides of the course, um, you know, it was kind of like, it's kind of like a normal race, I guess you could say it's the experience of everything else that, you know, is so much above and beyond, uh, you know, what a normal race environment is, you know, all the Olympic moments. So yeah, it, it was, it was a neat experience though, for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, like you said, you talked about earlier, you know, seeing the men's 10 K and, and yeah, and that, I mean, obviously that stuck with you as well. You know, I can't imagine how many 
you know, great races or, or events you got to go to and, and other, other athletes you got to meet, you know, outside yeah. of the running and triathlete world. Yeah. You know, it, you, you're, it's almost like you're starstruck because you're in the Olympic village and, you know, almost everyone is staying in the Olympic village. And I mean, even Tokyo this year was similar when I was there because I stayed in the Olympic village, but is, yeah, it's kind of fun. Cause like you said, you're just walking to the dining hall and there's Haile Gebrselassie, Selassie and you're yeah. like, wow, <laughs> you know, how cool is that? And, you know, and same thing. Cause I mean, I was you know really into cycling at the time and seeing, you know, some famous cyclists and, and all of that. I mean, it's a pretty neat experience to be in an environment like that with so many great athletes and then being able to watch them perform. And I did, I went, sure, I went to track and field, but I went to some really, you know, random stuff that totally not my thing either, you know, yeah. like I went to sailing, I went to like wrestling, you know, stuff that I don't know much about at all. And just to see the level of competition because you could. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always, God, there's, I mean, even with the stuff they show on TV, I mean, it's hard to catch everything, but I mean, I find myself tuning into sports that, that I don't, I don't think about, you know, for four years, you know, basically. No, absolutely, then, yeah. Then it's like, it, oh, what's this? Like, <laughs> right. Well, and the fun way to think about that is also like, I mean, you know, using any like curling, you know, right. it's like, a, you know, it's people are like, oh, that's a silly, you know, winter sport, but you think about it, your passion, your dedication, your knowledge of running, you know what I mean? You know, my, you know, same thing, like this is the world we live in, you and I live in. Those people, if they're at that level of sport, they have the same amount of training, passion, dedication, talent, et cetera, et cetera, to get there. So you realize like to them, you know, it's, that's everything. (laughs) And I think that's the magic of it and the uh, magic of the Olympics, regardless of like how high or low profile a sport is. I mean, that's the pinnacle of the sport for, you know, whatever sport that is and, and the amount of, uh, you know, pressure and mental, you know, fortitude and the stuff that, that it takes, you know, to be good at that sport. It's just like Ryan, it's just like anything else. It's just a different sport. So, um, that's, what's fun seeing people, you know, at the peak level of their sport. Um, in Tokyo, one thing that I loved watching, although we were just watching on uh, TV because it was hard to get to other venues in Tokyo because right. of COVID, um, was, uh, was archery stuff. And I just, the amount of pressure, but one really cool thing, and this is from a running standpoint that they showed this year, and I don't know if you watched any archery, maybe not because it's not easy to catch. Yeah, I We were able to live stream in the Olympic Village. You were able to live stream any event that was happening at the time. Wow. So there was like this channel that we would get on and they're seriously, you know, like 12 live things happening. But anyway, they would show the heart rates of the, of the shooters, of the archery people. And they're jacked up like these people, like their heart rates are like 150, 160. And I don't, and which I thought was fascinating. They're just standing there, but like being able to control themselves. But I saw, you know, some people, not everyone's were, you know, were up that high, but some people were. And I was like, wow, it's like almost like that performance, that level of performance and anxiety. I didn't understand it. I was like, you know, I don't understand A, why their heart rates are so high, but B, um, you know, how, how they're then controlling what they're controlling um, with that. But it was fun to watch. Right. That is fascinating because you, yeah, yeah. you really would think, I mean, they're standing still, they're holding it. They've got a focus that they're trying to like calm everything down and for the heart rate to be that high. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's fascinating. But I also, what I realized, I mean, they're, they're broadcasting it. So it's clearly like a factor, you know what I mean? Or something right. interesting that they're looking at. So I thought that was kind of cool. 
That'd be, yeah, that'd be interesting to dig into. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting if they had the Olympic marathon and they showed everyone's heart rate on the screen as they're running. Right. That would be. (laughs) Right. And or their power, you know, their efficiency levels. So it would be pretty fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be that. Oh man. Yeah. I would be, I'd be so fascinated by that just to see all that data to see where some of these guys are. Cause I mean, you know, some of them are going to be like just their heart rate's going to be just so low through most of it. And you're going to have some other guys that run a little bit hotter. Like, right. Yeah. And that's the fascinating thing is, you know, I mean, as you well know, I mean, physiology, it ranges, you know, from athlete to athlete. So one guy's 180 beats per minute could be another guy's 160 beats per minute. But I think watching them decouple, you know, when the pace like gets fast and, you know, their heart rates like, you know, uh, disproportionately, you know, go up or everything. You can see when a guy's about to pop <laughs> right, right. or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> or when they're really throwing down the pace. Yeah. Yeah. When they, when they put in those surges, like what, what does it take to get that surge in? And then like, absolutely. And then they that's kind of back off of a little bit. Like, yeah. yeah, no, and that's such a big part of marathoning at that level anymore too, is, you know, those accelerations, those surges and responding to them appropriately. Right. And, and, well, A, being able to respond to them, but responding to them appropriately. And then, yeah, like you said, and then being backing off and then going again and then backing off, it's it's a little more aggressive. So, um, yeah, especially in Olympic type races. So, yeah. yeah. Man, that would be, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you get into coaching? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the funny thing about it was it wasn't like a super, like, it wasn't like a decision, <laughs> you could say. So I, when I was in college, I actually, by the time I was in my senior year, I was like almost like, and it is because I was one of the, you know, better runners on our team. And I had a good relationship with my coach there. You know, like I would talk with him about the training a lot. And then, and I'd almost like help a lot because I was like, you know, I was like the barometer of the team, you know, how are we doing you know, how, how's it, I mean, the coach would ask me this, which is great. I mean, I think it shows that he was a great coach. He was reaching out, you know, you know, what's the morale, what's the vibe, you know, are people tired? Are they rested, you know, and stuff. And so it started giving me, um, you know, a big thing of that. I would say a huge theme throughout all of my career as a coach is I've always had really great mentors in the coaching world. The people that were coached me when I was young, were really amazing people. They were, you know, when I was really young, you know, I mean, I think that's, they were the first people that taught me, teach me. I mean, I was a highly competitive kid, you know, I wanted to win, but they were also, but they really taught me like what we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation is like that run, run, running was fun. You know what I mean? I really enjoyed it. It was like a lifestyle. It wasn't, you know, this end, you know, like, you know, we get to this competition and it ends. It's like, no, this is kind of a, you know, so the daily thing, it's a piece of life potentially for you and, and, um, which I think is valuable. But then I had a really great, uh, collegiate coach, um, like I said, and then in triathlon serendipitously, in some ways, I guess you could say I got connected right away with one of the best. I mean, he's almost like the grandfather, I would say of, of triathlon coaching. His name's Joe Friel. I mean, he's written a lot of books. Um, he's a really amazing triathlon coach. And so, you know, I was under his wing right away. And then when I quit, when I quit racing, I um, was able to uh, like right away get under his wing in a coaching environment as well. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah. And, you know, the way that I ended up in New Mexico and here was, you know, I was a couple of years into my like in, into coaching and coaching under Joe. I went back to graduate school um, and graduate school was in nutrition and metabolism, which is basically exercise physiology at kind of an advanced <laughs> level. And uh, yeah, and, and it, which was a blast. It was tons like it, it was really fun. It was a great transition um, to go from being a professional athlete for about an eight year period back to being a student. And uh, and it also gave me two years to which is what graduate school often does to really figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> and once again, at that point, I didn't go back to graduate school thinking, hey, I'm going to be a coach, you know, for sure. I went back to graduate school just wanting to learn more, wanting to know more. And um, and uh, yeah, but I came out of it. And during that period, I did. I started coaching with my old coach um, and under him. And um, and not long after I graduated, I had an opportunity uh, to come to Santa Fe. It's a long story how I ended up coming here. But when I came here, a friend of mine was involved with a group. As you know, there's multiple groups of, you know, Kenyan runners on and off in Albuquerque um, and in Santa Fe. And I had an opportunity to work with some of them. And uh, actually, one of the first athletes that I worked with um, when I got here was Caroline Roteach. And she, Carol was, you know, young. She's probably 23 years old. And you know, I guess I recognized that she had a lot of talent. She didn't have great PRs or anything. And I felt like she was just kind of aimlessly, which I think a lot of those athletes do. She was just kind of like, you know, well, there's a, the Topeka 5Ks next weekend and I can make $500, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm going to take a bus there and go do it, you know. And, <laughs> and I sat down and I remember the guy who was managing those athletes at the time when I got to Santa Fe, you know, he said, hey, you know, I was wondering if you can kind of like, you know, partially kind of like help you know, coach and guide some of these guys. And my answer was like, no, I was like, this is their job. It's like, I'm not partially doing this. You know what I mean? I was like, they're either like, it's either a hundred percent in or, you know, or 0%. You can't partially coach someone, you know? Right. And, um, and so that's when I started working with, you know, some of the East Africans here, I was also working with people online and, um, you know, with, with triathletes as well. And, um, yeah, and then it just really, really grew from there. And like I said, I had a great opportunity you know, with my old coach as kind of a mentor, you know, in that regard. But, you know, it took a lot of time in Santa Fe to develop the group. And, um, you know, there's such a great community here, you know, and but over time, but I mean, you know, it, it took a lot of a lot of time and a lot of effort. You know, we had a house that, you know, I was renting, you know, like for them. And, you know, and we had a car that they were all driving. And I mean, you know, and I didn't have any money myself. So it was like really hard to <laughs> You know, I mean, it was like it was it was definitely like a, you know, like a passion project. But, um, you know, it turned out so well and it was it's still so fulfilling, like to work with that level of athlete. And, you know, now I, I still do work with, um, you know, as elite runners, I've transitioned definitely more um, into working with uh, my professional triathletes. And what, I mean, it's kind of a natural progression, of course, because it's a world that I came from and. Um, you know, it's a world that I live in still like on a daily basis, but, um, but it's really fun actually. And it has been fun and using Caroline Roteach as an example is, um, you know, it's fun incorporating those two communities, like my professional male triathletes and Caro, like have similar run speeds, you know, their training sessions can be really quite similar, you know, I mean, they're top level, um, you know, male triathletes and she's a top level female runner and, uh, yeah, they can kind of, they almost like can get in battles with each other, which is a lot of fun for training, you know? So yeah, it, it incorporates nicely. 
Well, now I was going to ask about that. You know, how different is it, you know, from a, a high-end professional marathoner to, you know, a high-end triathlete? Because like you said, there is some overlap there with the running, but, you know, the triathletes have to make sure, you know, they've got the, the swimming and the cycling portion of it as well. Right, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, the top, let's say, you know, the to- a top female triathlete versus a top female runner, you know, clearly a top female triathlete is not as fast of a runner as like a top female runner. Um, like I said, it's kind of funny, the compa- the compatibility of a top male triathlete and the top female runners is actually like pretty darn, you know, close and everything. And uh, which is, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to see, but um. But like you said, with triathletes, there's a balance and, um, it, Caro, you know, she trains with the group a lot and it's always funny cause you know, they'll do some hard long run or something and she's just smashed, you know, she's like, okay, you know, I get to go home and take a nap and they're like, yep, you know, we get, we can, we can go home, eat something. And then we have another training session and she's always <laughs> blown away, you know, that they actually have to do something else on the day or whatever. Triathletes carry a significantly heavier training load, but they can as well because, you know, their impact, their impact miles, you know, every week are not, you know, nearly, you know, as much as say, just a pure runner, but, uh, but their time, uh, their time volume is because they're spending a lot of time on the bike, a lot of time in the water, but both of those sports, like I said, they're not nearly as impactful as running the hard part, balancing that, um, with it, with it, with a runner, it's kind of easy in a sense that, you know, you can build them to an X amount of volume and you start normally start seeing like physical triggers if they're like having issues, you know, like, you know, my knee hurts or, you know, my Achilles hurts or, you know, my plantar fascia is like starting to flare up. That's usually an indicator with triathletes because stuff is, it's more, you know, physiologically based as as opposed to biomechanically, they can, you know, sometimes you can't see them digging themselves into a hole. You know what I mean? They have to be more aware and communicating with their bodies because like, you know, they might be, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to get overtrained as a triathlete, you know, than as a runner, because like I said, you don't necessarily start physically breaking down, but you do on the inside. I say, you know, is the way that I always say, you know, the inside, like your heart just starts getting tired, you know, your brain starts getting tired. And of course there's indicators, you know, for that too, heart rate variability, et cetera. But, um, but it's just harder to see. It's a little bit harder to see. Whereas with runners, it's a little bit easier to see. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and how do you manage? Because you do work with some, um, you know, non-elites, just some kind of everyday Absolutely, runners, yeah. age groupers and stuff. You know, how do you help them manage? Uh, you know, it, at least from my perspective, it seems easy. Like, you know, for a runner, mm-hmm. if you can carve out 45 minutes to an hour a day, you know, you can definitely make some progress and, and you can have time and, and, and then obviously on a weekend add in, a, you know, a longer thing. Whereas with, you know, a, tri- a triathlete, there might be a little bit more because you are trying to have to manage in, you know, different um, uh, training aspects. Yeah, no, it it's really hard. And especially, you know, in, in triathlon, a lot of people want to do the long stuff, you know, they want to do the half Ironmans and the Ironmans. And, you know, if someone comes to me and they're like, Hey, I'm an age group athlete and I can train eight hours a week and I want to do an Ironman. I, like, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to be real with you. This is going to be an incredibly big challenge because you need to get, you know, the volume in and working that around a career, uh, family, et cetera, is really, really hard. And I, this is what, 
I always say um, to athletes, like when they come to me, like Ironman type athletes or, you know, in their age group, I'm like, you have, you can have three things, you have three things in your life. You have your work, you have your family and you have Ironman. I was like, you need to pick two of those things because you can only do two of those really well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something's going to suffer a little bit here, you know? And I always tell people, I'm like, and I'll be real with you. Like, I don't want you getting divorced because you're doing triathlon. I don't want you to lose your job because you're, you know, because you're doing triathlon. I was like, you know, if something has to, you know, be compromised a little bit, let's like, let it be your training and, and, um, you know, let's work around that and everything. But it is a really delicate balance, especially when you have people who, you know, they want high performance, they want to do really well, you know, they want to, you know, they want to do the optimal training, which I mean, takes a fair amount of volume. And, and um and time of course and so yeah balancing those things is really really quite tricky yeah <laughs> you know one thing that um is interesting to me so you, you have the bolton endurance and, and you've talked about kind of stepping away and working a little bit more with your uh, triathletes and stuff you know you have a whole group of people kind of working under you as coaches yep and so you know, as, as a, as a coach and, and having to go through my assistants and I've talked to other coaches and picking like who they work with, you know, how's that process work for you as far as bringing somebody into, you know, Bolton endurance? Yeah. Like our coaches, you mean bringing yeah. a coach in? Yeah. Bringing a coach. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I, so about six or seven years ago, my, my coach was, you know, he's in his seventies. And like I said, he writes books um, he didn't coach anymore. And, and he was actually kind of, I guess you could say, uh, like kind of disbanding his coaching group. And at that point I, I had like a talk with him and I said, Hey, you know, you know, what's your advice? What do you think I should do? And he said, you should start your own thing. And like I said, I, there were coaches that worked with me at the time that were kind of encouraging me to do the same thing. And like, like you, I was almost like, okay, well, how does this work? You know, how do we recruit coaches? And the answer is, it, it was pretty organic. You know what I mean? Like we just, it, it comes through referrals and, you know, like, you know, Hey, I know this person, they're a coach and they'd like to coach with a group or, Hey, you know, or I just meet people. And like, I mean, a good example is, um, you know, who coaches with us, who, you know, who's a local, who's been on <laughs> your podcast is Dorota Gruka and Dorota, you know, she's an amazing woman. She's an Olympian. She's from Poland. She wanted to get into coaching and, um, you know, I remember, and I knew her, I mean, I just knew her from the local running community, of course. And I got an email from her and her late husband and it said, Hey, you know, Dorota's interested in, you know, doing some more coaching. Are you willing to talk with her about that? And I, I mean, I just drove down to Albuquerque and like talked with her, but like, you know, like you said, Dorota has, you know, this really amazing energy and, um, and she's, she's really, and this is a funny thing about Dorota and you, you noted this before when we were talking, um, before your recording is, you know, she's very humble and, uh, you know, and that's what I remember sitting down with her the first time and, and she was like, oh, you know, I would really like to do this, but you know, I don't know that much about coaching. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Dorota, you know, so much about running that you don't realize, you know, yeah. and I think that's funny because, you know, she's a lifelong runner and she's competed at really high levels. And and um, it's she she doesn't think she know she knew much about running because she knows so much about running, you know, <laughs> like she doesn't realize that the general public. And I think that's kind of a funny thing, you know, that the general public like has no idea, you know, the amount of knowledge that she has in running is, you know, like infinite almost. And um 
you know, but it's just her world. So, you know, that knowledge seems a second nature. And I was like, because that, you know, because you don't think you have a lot of knowledge and you actually do, because it's just such a second nature to you means that you would be a fantastic coach. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and she's, uh, you know, and she's like really, you know, thrived under that program. And I would say, you know, we have about 18 coaches that work in our group now. And, um, you know, and they vary from, you know, some rung coaches, um, you know, and, uh, you know, some of like, I actually, one of my good friends, he's a collegiate run coach, but he, he works with age group athletes independent, um, you know, of, you know, of, of his collegiate role. Um, you know, if a few run coaches, we have a couple of cycling peer coaches. And then of course we have triathlete triathlon coaches, but somehow, you know, over the years, and this was kind of your original question, like I just, you know, I had some connection with them, like on some personal level or some referral level and everything. And now it's kind of, you know, it's like a team, it's a family and, you know, it's fun that way because we, we do like as a coaching group, you know, we have monthly phone calls with the group where everyone gets on, you know, a zoom call now is what it is now, which is actually nice. It's kind of nice to see everyone's face now is the age of zoom, you know, we, and we, we talk and we always have specific topics. Like we, I always pick you know, some latest, greatest article about, you know, nutrition or strength training or, you know, run training or bike training or swim training or, you know, physiology. And, you know, we all discuss it and everything. And we also have an annual meeting where we actually all get together and discuss stuff and everything too. So it's just, it's fun and it's nice to have that camaraderie and to, you know, be able to bounce ideas off of other like-minded people. And I think, that's kind of like a philosophy of mine too. Like I'm a big, I mean, it's like a good reason for being, you know, talking with you today is I like, you know, I find value. I mean, I, there's always something to learn from other people and other people always want to learn something from you. And there's so much value in that. You know what I mean? I love collaboration. Ultimately the running world, the triathlon world, it's an incredibly small world. You know what I mean? We live in this really little niche sport. And so, you know, any collaboration that can happen in any relationships, uh, you know, that you can create in this sport are valuable. And I mean, that's been my entire life is, you know, my, you know, my best friends, my social circles, all of that stuff are people, you know, usually who are somehow involved in endurance sports, because those are the people that you like to be with. And those are like, basically the coaches that work for us as well, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, it's all kind of the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, I liken it to the in high school coaching. I mean, all the coaches know each other and they chat For and, they, sure. you know, they share things. And, um, you know, through doing this podcast, I've been able to meet a lot of different other runners and coaches and, and learn so much and, and, and share it with people who listen. It's so it's so fun. Like like you said, it's just it's it's the the world I, I am enjoying and I love being a part of. And it's it's fun to kind of share those stories you know, between people and learn things and get to know, um, you know, others in, in that, in, like you said, it's so niche, so small, even the running community is, is fairly small, you For know, sure. being able to yeah. meet new people, it, it's, um, you always gain something from it. No, absolutely. And I guess I, I'm super transparent too, when people want to talk about, you know, training, because once again, I mean, there's always so much to learn and it's evolving. It's constantly evolving too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the training plans aren't static. It's like, you know, I'm always kind of like learning something new and, you know, not, you know, hopefully none of my athletes are listening to this because, you know, they're all guinea pigs too. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, how's this going to work? You know, maybe, you know, we'll implement this in and everything and, you know, see how it works and, you know, see how it doesn't work. But I think that's, 
you know, good coaches, you know, like to do that, you know, they like to, you know, try new stuff. And, um, you know, as long as it's safe for the athlete and just, you know, yeah, get things to, you know, kind of, uh, you constantly, I, I mean, that's a great thing about the sport is it's infinite too. The knowledge is right. infinite and it's just, it is constantly evolving, which makes it fun. Well, and I think, you know, on that point, I'm assuming, you know, your, your training cycles have to change a little bit so that it's not just stagnant. So there's different, um, stresses you know to help the athlete continue yeah. to perform and, and do different things so you you have to kind sure. of find new things to to make sure that you're you're growing your athlete as well as yourself <laughs> yeah and i'm a big proponent of you know periodization of course you know times of the season where we're definitely working on specific you know specific things whether you know it's foundational building and or strength and you know and or speed and race specificity you know we definitely go through you know, all of, all of those cycles. And like you said, every athlete's kind of different too. And that's kind of the fun of the art of coaching is, you know, is like recognizing, you know, what maybe a specific athlete needs over another athlete. And like working with that is like a lot of, a lot of fun. And I guess that's why, once again, I don't think that there's like, you know, any secrets in the sport or any secret workouts or anything, because each individual, each athlete is such an individual that, you know, one thing that, you know, this entire training program you know, that may work for one person may not at all for another person. And I would say me as a coach philosophically, like I definitely have some like fundamentals that I philosophically follow. But, um, but I also say that, you know, things are a bit dynamic based on the athlete that I'm working with, of course. So I know that's a little bit harder to do when you're working like as a high school, right. you know, coach, because you have this group of athletes and everything, but you, you know, I'm sure you got, you can still recognize yeah, maybe this athlete needs a little bit more of this. And this one needs a little bit less of this. And you know, that type of stuff, um, you know, but, uh, but I mean, I think that's the other thing of being a high school coach is, you know, I'm envious of, you know, like you, because like, it's so much fun, you know, to have like a core group of athletes, you know, kids that are working together, that are creating that energy and that vibe, you know, and like, and basically, you know, with one, one common goal, there's definitely something special about that too. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely fun. And it's, I think, you know, the one, I, the, the one downside, you know, as far as talking about periodization and okay, this athlete needs this, this athlete needs that is uh, sometimes getting them to, to realize that, you know, because they, they look at, well, this is what the top kid on the team is doing. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, they're no, looking, totally. yeah. Or they're looking on Strava and this is what the top athlete in the state is doing. And it's like. Yes, but <laughs> right. No, exactly. And this is my, my example of that is like, you know, someone gets like, like runner's world, you know, right. let's just, like the magazine, you know, and, and I'll get an athlete and I'll be they're like, Hey, I just read this article on, you know, best workout of all time. And, uh, you know, because that's what they publish in those like, you know, magazines like that. And they'll be like, is this the best workout of all time? And can we do it next week? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, let me look. Oh, yeah, that's a really, really great workout for a very specific time of the year and for a very specific person. And for right. you, that might not be right now. You know what I mean? But yeah, maybe we can incorporate it at some point. But like you said, but I, I think you just touched on something really interesting, too, that I'm seeing more and more with athletes is, you know, like Strava, looking at Strava or even social media. Right. And there's like this inundation of information with athletes. And, you know, people share their Strava files that make them look like rock stars. They do their social media posts that are really, you know, phenomenal. And I think, you know, if you're an athlete and you're following 400 other athletes, 
you get on social media and it seems like every day people are hitting it out of the park with their workouts. And that's not the case. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you follow one specific person, you'll see that they're hitting it out of the park once a week or once every other week, you know, really having those magical workouts. And that's just what it takes. And I think it's like the message that I try to tell athletes is, you know, it is, it's, it's all about consistency. You don't have to be knocking it out of the park every day, you know, with your workouts. In fact, you shouldn't be, you know, and, um, you know, but on social media, I think, and, you know, watching strong and stuff, people can get caught up in that, you know, and like, I need to do that right now, you know, and it's like, no, 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 you know, you're, you're an individual, you know, you're on your plan and, um, you know, yeah. And kind of like, you know, staying focused in that regard, but it's, it's hard with like, yeah, like said, Strava, social media all that stuff there's so much information coming in oh yeah it's and i try to tell my kids too i'm like you guys aren't the only ones you know i'm i'm looking at guys my age here in town that are totally. that are yeah. rushing it you know going up in the foothills and doing you know paces that i'm struggling with on you know in the busca on the flat and <laughs> it'd be you know but you have to just kind of all right that's that's a goal like that's where i'd like to be and this is yeah and that you know, too yeah steps. exactly and yeah, uh no, totally <laughs> That's, that's, uh, you know, always, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you mentioned that on your side too, because I always wondered about that from, you know, I know I see it in myself. I know I see it in my kids, but I was always curious kind of on that. I see it at the professional level, but I also see, and I know at the professional level, people play games that yeah. way too. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll intentionally like, you know, post something, you know, like to, you know, to mess with people, you know, so they're like, wow, people, you know, really, you know, and I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, so it, it's kind of funny because yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can get kind of crazy gamesmanship. Yeah, right. I mean, well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's with everything so open. I mean, you can, you can try no, to get sure. every, every little uh, edge you can, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, one more thing I was kind of curious about before we kind of wrap up, you know, since you did go back and you got your master's with, you know, human nutrition and all that, um, which you said is basically exercise <laughs> physiology. It is, yeah, yeah, it's metabolism. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, you know, how has, I guess, you know, this is 20 years from, you know, when you were in the Olympics and all that, how has nutrition changed in kind of like the triathlon game or even just in the marathon game as as you've been a, a coach of some of that stuff yeah i would say it, it's changed a fair amount because the amount of products available and the types of products available um you know are so different um and just so much more abundant you know i mean i think i feel like you know anymore like we're using you know, super starches more than we're using sugars at different times more, you know, even like ergogenic things like caffeine, you know, are incorporated in also what we've learned about, you know, the amount of fueling, um, you know, especially for longer racing and in the frequency of fueling is, you know, really like that's changed a fair amount as well. And I, I still feel like there's tons of low hanging fruit because, um, you know, particularly in the triathlon world, Ironman, um, etc. Like it's a, it's, 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 it's a critical part of the race and it's a really hard thing to nail, honestly. Right. So, you know, getting it right is like really difficult and, and it's so athlete dependent too. So kind of like training, it's incredibly dynamic, but I feel like what's really changed over the past say 20 years is 
the amount of products and ways to do it right. And so you can individualize it way more than you used to, you know, I mean, in the past, it was like, you know, here's a sports drink, go for it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so if this works, you know, now you can be like, well, if your stomach doesn't sit well with this, maybe we can, you know, use this sugar profile or use this product and, you know, try to front load with this type of thing or something like that. So, you know, it's really, um, it is more, um, um, there, there's just way more options. It kind of makes our jobs as coaches a little bit more difficult, you know, to find what works with athletes. But I mean, personally, I have some stuff that I like that I favor. Um, but like, yeah, I always philosophically with athletes, like I kind of like want people to try their own thing, you know what I mean? And I'll ask them to try stuff, but there's still, even now, I mean, there's more revolutionary stuff coming onto the market. That's like, you know, that's going to be game changing. I feel like, you know, over, you know, the next year and, um, and, and everything. So, I mean, it's kind it's, it's kind of like the training component is it's constantly changing and it's dynamic, but we have, there's so much information and there's so many smart people doing cool work in the nutrition industry that it's, it's, it's fun to watch and it's fun to watch it evolve and, and then implement into training and racing programs. Yeah. Yeah. That's I would awesome. say on the, on, there's also just pure diet side of things like outside of sport. And I think that's changed a lot too. And even philosophically, it's changed a lot. You know, we went from way more, you know, of like, you know, back in that era of like a really carbohydrate centric diet to way more protein centric. Um, even, you know, vegan diet options, like, you know, are so much more prevalent now. And, and also we know so much more about it and how to do it properly and all that type of stuff. Like, you know, it's a complete possibility. Um, so, you know, that's, it's, I mean, that's really changed a lot too. I mean, nutrition is constantly evolving and it's kind of like politics. It's kind of like anything. It's a pendulum, you know, that's always swinging right. back and forth, but, but, um, but yeah, and normally like kind of the best ground is likely somewhere in that middle ground, but right. regardless, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's constantly evolving and, and fun to follow and watch. Oh, it's yeah. Well, thank you for that. Cause yeah, it's always, it's, it's such a big thing that I, I know it gets talked about a lot. And yet sometimes not often enough, you know, because it is so it's hard to be so, you know, specific because it is so individual to each runner, each athlete and, you know, what they're going to take, how often they're going to take it and, and all that. It's it's hard to, you know, really kind of, like you said, kind of pin down specifically. Yeah, you have to look at body composition. Yeah, their physiology. Yeah, their needs you know, yeah, you know, are they sugar burners? Are they fat burners, you know, or making them better at one or the other? You know, stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, I think this is a great spot to kind of wrap up. Um, it's been a, a lot of fun talking with you. I, I feel like we just are, you know, obviously, but you have such a wealth of knowledge and um, I'm going to have to, you know, get you back on at some point and talk a little bit more just specific training and stuff. Yeah, that'd be cool. No, I would love to come back on. Yeah, yeah, we can just talk training plans. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. in itself, just that one thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, totally. Yeah, no, um, yeah. no, great talking with you too, Seth. Yeah, so the last question to ask anybody, and, and that's just, uh, you know, what are you listening to that gets you pumped, gets you ready, <laughs> gets you, you know, going for a workout or, or ready for a, you know, a training session with your athletes? Yeah, totally. It's funny, man, my, my music tastes are incredibly eclectic. Yeah. And uh, like what I would say, I listen to 
you know how you can learn what you listen to is if you have a Spotify, like my Discover Weekly, yeah. like I'm like, oh, so I guess this is my music taste because it's what, you know, this like, you know, this program is saying that I must like and everything, which has a tendency to be like, I, I sort of listen to like kind of ambient, uh, like almost like electronic music. And okay. honestly, that's what like I've, I like to train to, you know what I mean? Very rhythmic like almost like electronic music, but, but man, like my tastes though range from like full on hip hop, you know what I mean? <laughs> to, you know, to kind of like indie stuff, like, you know, like I love like Radiohead is one of my favorite bands of all time. Oh, yeah. And they're not exactly a, Hey, let's go run to this type of music. Right. Band, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I still, but no, I usually like, like more of the up tempo rhythmic type of stuff that, you know, like if, you know, if I'm out like training or like, yeah, to get me, you know, get me motivated for, um, yeah, I mean, it's super eclectic, so yeah. I, that's not a very direct answer, but um, no, no, but, that's uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, yeah. it just, it, it's like I said, it's always something that just is, is curious to me. And, and most people I've found it's, it, it is very eclectic and, and it, you know, almost depends on the day or the workout or the rate, oh, you know, sure. whatever is going on, but it's, uh, it's something that fascinates me because I'm the same way I can go from, you know, listening to something so chill to, you know, metal, punk, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just, and, and sometimes it's, I mean, I've, I've put on, you know, I've, I've had a, a headphones on and, and done a speed workout with, you know, some, some of the most chill music, you know, sometimes. And just because that's what I wanted to listen to. And no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. I always think it's funny how some people have like a specific, like pump up song, yeah. because I never had that song. I, I would say I had a group of songs and like you said, it was sort of mood dependent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So again, thank you so much for your time. This, this has been a lot of fun. And like I said, I, I definitely want to have you back on at some point and talk. You bet. No, for sure. It's been a pleasure. And, and I know hopefully we we've talked about it, but hopefully we'll be able to Caroline or teach is currently in Kenya training, but it would be yeah. great to get her on here because she's, She's got some really great stories and some knowledge, and she's obviously, you know, been a phenomenal runner for a long time. So yeah, she's a really fun person to connect with and talk to. Absolutely. Uh, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add before I um, let you go, including, you know, if, if people are looking for a coach, where to where to look? Oh yeah. So yeah, like our my, our website, which is super easy to find, is just Bolton Endurance Sports Training. Um, and you know, I'm on Instagram, stuff like that, as is Bolton Endurance Sports Train, so easy to find there. But I guess the only thing I'd add is that, you know, I know that you're, you know, Albuquerque based, New Mexico based. And, uh, I mean, I think that most people who live here realize this, but, uh, we live in an amazing place to do these sports and to do these activities. And I mean, I just like running, you know, like, you know, running in Albuquerque on the Bosque, you know, there's certain times of the year. I mean, it's one of the most magical places in the world to be running, you know, and Santa Fe's the same way. There's so many great places. So, I mean, I hope that, you know, people listening to this, especially local people, they, you know, realize how lucky we are to like kind of live and train here and, and be that. And I guess the other thing is, is I would also encourage people um, if, if they know me and, or they see us training, like in Albuquerque, the Bosque stop and say hi, cause I know it's a small community and everything. So yeah, always say, Hey, so yeah, we always try to like wave and, you know, say hello to other runners on the trails, of course, as well. Hi 
I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.